was something that always makes us laugh. Spirit Airlines. Uh, on, a, on a recent flight, they had a live bat flying around the cabin. <laughs> The passengers were upset, especially when they realized it got through an open window. They go, hey, wait, what? Close the windows on the plane. Tough. That'd be wacky if they had the windows open on an airport. It's crazy. Uh, I saw the video of the bat. I would not have dug that. I'm not a bat fan. I love bats. I'm fascinated by bats. I have bats who live under my uh, front uh, porch roof thingy sometimes. Uh, my only objection is that they poo. Uh, they, they are not neat with their poo. Speaking of poo. Oh, speaking of poo. Wait a minute. No, this is uh, this is before your poo. We both have a speaking of poo. That's How odd is that? Yeah. Well, everybody knows it, it means yeah. something. So uh, there I am at the uh, the major league ball field uh, the other night, and it was a night game. Uh, I just said that I'm an idiot. Anyway, so there I am, and it it was a San Francisco Giants game, and uh, right there by the bay, they got a lot of seagulls, right? And so uh, it's getting toward the end of the game, and the seagulls know, so they start massing. On the roof of the stadium, they're flying around over the outfield. They know as soon what as all these people... What do you mean they know it's they, the end of the game? They know. Hey, it's two outs. <laughs> two out, bottom of nine. No, 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 they're down four runs. They'll never come back. No. <laughs> the seagulls, as the evening goes on, mass more and more and more because they know when the crowd leaves, the cleanup crew can't get to all that food and trays and stuff under seats. Leftover popcorn and exactly. nacho chips. And they'll get a giant meal out of it. Wow. And it's semi-frightening. But here's the part that, 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 oh, my God, the lights are blazing, right? And so you can see the seagulls and everything in, in stark relief against the night sky. You can also see them pooping. And the stadium lights illuminating their poop as it falls toward the people in the stands. Ew. And or the players and umpires and the rest of it. Ew. So everybody's kind of keeping an eye on them. And then a stream would come out and you'd see it lit by the stadium lights. And you'd be like, look out. <laughs> oh, it was bad. Get me some popcorn and seagull crap. <laughs> it's crap. Oh, boy. It's crap? It's crap. I, you know, I wasn't wearing a hat or anything. I was thinking of retreating under the uh, the stands. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is great. Nice way for the night to end with a nice of seagull dung. Now, my speaking of poop. Yes. The homeless. Welcome si- to speaking of poop with Armstrong and Getty. The homeless situation in Los Angeles. How long is this news report, Sean? Uh, it's just Roughly. under five minutes. Ooh, that's pretty long. I watched the whole thing. We probably won't be able to air the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. We could link the video. Well, we have the fabulous Gordon Chang to talk about Hong Kong in just a couple of minutes. I'd love to hear it, though. Uh, we can we can play some of this. Uh, we'll link it at armstrongandgetty.com. One of the reasons I was interested in this is I was there just a couple of weeks ago as uh, my son and I stayed right by Venice Beach before we went on our fishing trip in Los Angeles. And one of the reasons we went to Venice Beach is so he could watch the fabulous skateboarders do their thing. Oh, yeah. You know, from the yeah, original yeah. Dogtown. But um, it was unbelievable. But I drove under this very overpass that they're talking about here. And it's incredible. And it goes something like this. In the shadow of the West L.A. skyline, tucked under the 405 at Venice Boulevard, is a stretch of sidewalk some 40 people call home. At least once a week, the LAPD orders them out, blocks off the area, and an army of sanitation workers moves in, picking up used needles, bottles of urine, and mountains of garbage. They sanitize the sidewalk and then leave. But within minutes, people are back, rebuilding their life under the 405. The sidewalk is again littered with the hazardous byproducts of life on the streets. You're living out here by choice. 
Oh, 100%. We met Dylan Brumley rummaging through the trash here in search of something to eat. And we saw him picking up a dirty needle. Were you going to use that needle? Yes. He says these cleanups never keep the area clean for more than a few hours. You're wasting time, money, effort. And neighbors okay, can, we, can we tell you, can we stop that for just a second? So a couple of key points here, obviously. Uh, city spends all that time and money to clean that off. People are back within minutes. Guy they interviewed said he's there by choice. How do you like that? You there by choice? Oh, absolutely. Well, I've seen the stats. It's a huge percentage. No, I'm not going to the shelter. No, I don't want that program. No, I'm not going to conform to your rules. Okay, a little more. And neighbors who live near the encampment agree. It is not a good use of our tax dollars. Roman Samily lives five houses from the tent city. He says when the cops force the homeless people out during those cleanups, they move into the neighborhood, leaving behind piles of garbage, which the sanitation workers never clean up. But it just pushes the trash into our streets. Our streets are worse after these cleanups. And worse because of this, too. The homeless routinely leave their encampment to urinate on the streets of the neighborhood. And they defecate on the residential streets where children play. When sanitation workers do their cleanups, they stay inside the yellow tape, ignoring piles of human waste just a few feet away. Oh, <laughs> defecating and urinating all over the streets. You're aware of this. Yes. Pepe Garcia of LA. Oh, hey, let's department. pause that again. So, uh, earlier when we were talking about civilization and how fragile it is and what a miracle it is and how easily it can break down. Uh, anybody need more convincing? How incredible is that? We have people slaughtering others by the dozens because they're just angry and don't know what to do with their lives. And and those of you who say, well, read what they wrote. They were obviously an ex. Listen, I, I appreciate it because I think you you're trying, but... People who are angry, disaffected, unconnected, and have no purpose for their lives, they latch onto a purpose. And it might be A, it might be B, or it might be C. And that's really not fundamental to solving, you know, which choice they make. It's not fundamental to solving the problem. But, yeah, clearly our civilization is breaking down in a lot of ways. Imagine that. Millions of dollars, millions of taxpayer dollars being spent to accomplish nothing and in, in many ways make it worse. And the near-Soviet uh, workers, and no offense to them, say, yeah, they told me to clean up the poop within the uh, the tape. That poop over there, I'm not supposed to clean up. And I saw these very tent cities, the very one they're talking about right there. It's just, it's unbelievable. The, the, if you haven't seen, if you've seen like L.A. Homeless before, but not the latest version, you have no idea. Well, and listen, you don't have time to go to L.A. or maybe your travel plans are elsewhere on the West Coast. Check out San Francisco. Check out Sacramento. Check out Portland. Check out Seattle. Check out San Diego. I could go on and on and on. The West Coast bum explosion. The story of our time. Well, one of them. Maybe we'll play more of that later, but it's absolutely something, and we'll link it at armstrongandgetty.com. Meanwhile, over in Hong Kong, they've had liberty for decades as a British colony. Well, we got rid of that ugly colonial period, and now they are under the increasingly violent boot heel of the Chinese government. We'll talk to Gordon Chang about the brutality next.
Armstrong and Getty Show. Because of the horrifying weekend we had in the United States, the news coverage kind of uh, obliterated what was going on in Hong Kong after eight weeks of protest. There was more, almost as much tear gas fired at protesters yesterday by the Chinese government as in the previous eight weeks combined. I mean, the protests have really hit a fever pitch. The protesters shut down buses, trains, caused 200 flights to be canceled. Meanwhile, the trade conflict with China continues, and that could have serious ramifications economically, especially in the future. Uh, to discuss these twin topics, we've invited on the uh, terrific Gordon Chang, who is an American columnist, blogger, television pundit, author, lawyer. He's widely known for his book, The Coming Collapse of China, as well as uh, other good stuff. Gordon Chang joins us. Gordon, how are you, sir? Fine, thank you, and thank you so much. Listen, there are plenty of sins from the colonial era. Um, plenty of bad stuff happened. On the other hand, the people of Hong Kong, uh, which was a British colony, um, are probably dreaming, fantasizing of returning to the days as a British colony. What is their likely future now under the control of the communist Chinese? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, both sides have hardened uh, their positions. Um, the kids, the demonstrators, the pro-democracy forces clearly do not want Chinese interference in Hong Kong. China promised 50 years of self-rule under the one country, two systems formula of semi-autonomy. And right now, Beijing has clearly violated that promise. Um, so you see kids um, who have now said this is the last stand for Hong Kong, and many of them have said they're willing to die, and four of them have committed suicide in circumstances where it looks like they're linked to the protests. Um, you know, Beijing right now probably doesn't know what to do. They've lost control of the situation. Um, at some point, they probably will send in the People's Armed Police and the People's Liberation Army, um, but that's clearly the last, last resort for them because they know that Hong Kong is not armored car country, and they're in for a long-term struggle with a very unhappy population. What do you mean not a, an armored car country? Well, um, it, people uh, talk about Tiananmen, uh, 1989, in connection with Hong Kong, and they ask, could that happen again? Well, Beijing has these wide boulevards uh, at the time. Um, it was perfect place for tanks and armored cars to maneuver and to uh, engage in the slaughter. Hong Kong is pretty, you know, got narrow streets, got tall buildings. Um, there's all sorts of things that determined uh, opposition uh, can do. And, and I think that essentially you could see um, a pitched battle. And not and it would be um, blood on both sides. Wow. Well, it, 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 having read a lot about it again with the anniversary just recently, Tiananmen Square when they cracked down, uh, part of the problem that um, the Chinese government had was there were a lot of young soldiers that were on the side of the protesters and didn't really want to go in there and wipe them out. How, how is that working in this case with the Hong Kong protesters? Well, also, you know, in 1989, there were a lot of generals who didn't want to do this. Right. And, and some generals just absolutely refused Deng Xiaoping, the paramount leader at the time. Um, this time, um, you know, they're bringing in people who don't like Hong Kongers. Um, the problem right now, there are a lot of problems with the Hong Kong police, but um, as you suggest, a lot of them do sympathize with the protesters. They've got family on the other sides of the barricades, and they right now they're demoralized, they're fatigued, um, there's no discipline or very little discipline that you can see. 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons that might force Beijing to do something it doesn't want to do. But if they're going to bring in people, they're going to bring in people who have no sympathy at all for Hong Kong uh, residents. And so this could get really nasty. Well, yesterday they announced, the Chinese government announced uh, to the protesters, do not take restraint for weakness. Is that as chilling as it sounds? Um, it's chilling, but it's hollow. And we know this because the Chinese take our restraint for weakness. The Chinese communists will wield power when they believe they have an advantage. If they're just issuing dire warnings, it means that they don't know what to do. If they are going to move, um, we're going to see, I think, much different language um, from China, which would be basically, if you don't stop this immediately, we will bring in the troops. Um, they're not saying that right now, so I don't think that they're going to do it. Um, Xi Jinping, of course, is at a probably desperate. He's got a Hong Kong problem, a trade problem, an America problem, an economy problem. He's got problems um, that we don't even know about, I'm sure. And let's transition so, to that in, in uh, like 15 seconds. But one more question. How widespread is the support for the protests and the protesters among Hong Kongers? I would think that they've got uh, maybe somewhere about 75% of the population are on their side. Okay. The one thing you haven't heard is condemnations from most Hong Kong people about violence. There are a lot of you know smart people in the U.S. that, oh, the protesters are going to lose support because of their violent tactics. And they've said that in the middle of June. Well, that hasn't happened yet because most Hong Kong people, while they might not like the violent tactics, are more focused in on China, Carrie Lam, who's the Hong Kong chief executive, and uh, bad Hong Kong police tactics. So, right, and they're not armchair quarterbacking. They're in the middle of it. They know what the risk is. Yeah, and, and essentially what you've got is um, the kids are getting free passes. The kids can overreact and, and overstep the line. I'm not saying they can't do that. I think they probably will do it. But right now they've got the support of most people in Hong Kong. All right, let's transition to the pressure on Xi and the Chinese regime. Uh, how bad is it and why? I think there's a lot of pressure, and the reason is Xi Jinping has uh, unprecedented power, which means he also has unprecedented accountability. In the old Chinese system, that was before he became general secretary in 2012, there was shared responsibility. So if there was something that went wrong, the, the paramount leader didn't get blamed. Well, Xi Jinping has taken power from everybody, so there's nobody else to blame. And also, he's deinstitutionalized the Communist Party by getting rid of rules, which means there are no rules to protect him, which means that when things go well for, for China, as they did in 2017, Xi Jinping got a lot of credit, got a lot of power. When things are going badly for him, as they are now, he's got nobody else to look to. So I think he's in trouble right now, and we can see this from a number of different circumstances, um, which can't be explained um, by other um, assessments. So China walked away from some commitments they made earlier on the trade thing. Trump says, I'm going to increase it by 10% September 1st. China uh, devalues their currency even more. And you tweeted yesterday, and it got some attention, today Donald Trump became a wartime president. What does that mean? So it means that the Chinese have just sort of shown, uh, thrown restraint to the winds, and they're now uh, acting in an extremely belligerent, extremely hostile manner. Uh, you know, there has been a trade war since the early 1990s. We Americans just ignored it, um, but it's become, uh, at this point, something you can't ignore um, Beijing is attacking our society, and it's not just in trade, of course, not just economics. It's also um, they're putting, our, they they harming our service personnel. They've injured our diplomats. 
This is at the point where we've got to fight back, and so this is a war. We're talking Gordon Chang, and Gordon, we barely have a minute left, but given the U.S. position that you've got to stop the uh, the theft of uh, R&D, you've got to s- stop uh, demanding total access to companies that invest in, in China, um, and the nature of the Chinese government, is there any reconciling those two things? No. We are in a struggle, um, and um, people don't want to hear this. But I don't think that we can coexist with China. At least we can't coexist with the People's Republic of China. We can get along well with the Chinese people. Wow. You know, I haven't seen a lot to suggest you're wrong. I I don't see a solution. I've got a reasonably vivid imagination. Uh, Gordon Chang uh, is an American author, columnist, thinker, and expert on uh, China and Asia. Gordon, it's always enlightening, um, and we hope we can do it again soon. Yes, well, thank you so much. All right, it's our pleasure. His latest book is Losing South Korea. He doesn't a great think, read as well. He, he doesn't think we can coexist with China. Wow, we'll have to discuss that more at some point. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Candidate Joe Biden's controversial comments about gun control. The hermit kingdom is at it again, and a lot of people talking about why one basketball player flunked his drug test. Coming up. Mm. Oh, that's right. Uh, but there's some interesting news there that we, we we haven't talked about yet. Glad you're doing the newscast, Marshall. The NBA part or career? Both. All of it. Yeah. Korea's firing off missiles. Biden's saying wacky things. we got to discuss it all. Armstrong and Getty. I... You know, this is underappreciated. We're talking about the homeless situation in Los Angeles. I just walked by a homeless guy outside when I was reparking my car, and uh, man, oh man, that guy smelled bad. Yeah. Hey. Not trying to be judgmental or anything like that, but you, it's uh, you sound a little judgmental. Amazing. I'm not hearing a lot of compassion here. That you can get yourself to smell Who like that. With me. Agrees. If you wear the same clothes and don't bathe for a long period of time. Yeah. Yes. Oof. Uh, my mom mentioned that to me when I was about twelve. <laughs> oh, my son's already there at nine. Have you driven your uh, your SUV full of soccer players not yet? Y- not yet. Adolescent no. soccer players, the but, fellas. But my oldest, the third grader, well, he's going to be in fourth grade in two weeks. Um, he has definitely become the if I you know if I get sweaty, I'm stinky at that at this point, and trying to convince him. This is like when you were four, where you can just you know. <laughs> Run around and smell like a cute little kid for days at a time. <laughs> we got to stay on top of this. And your clothes are in the same situation. Um, he had he had soccer yesterday. He's actually at soccer camp this weekend. He was just soaked in sweat when I picked him up at eleven thirty in the morning. Yeah, said you got to take a shower when you get home. What? Don't do it tonight. No, 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 no. You can't just be oh, hanging around God. in those clothes on the couch all day long. Yeah. Ew. News now with Marshall Phillips. Now moving into high gear, saying it is time to act. House Democrats are calling on Senate Republicans to take up two bills they've sent to the chamber to address the shootings this past weekend. The first expands the universal background checks requirement for gun transfers between unlicensed individuals. And the second bill closes a loophole that can allow a person who might not be eligible to get a gun if their background check takes too long to complete. The house. I, I, I ask this in all honesty. Yes. I'm not trying to be a, uh, a, 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 a gun rights activist or anything here. Uh, well, I guess I am. But anyway, uh, would though if those were in effect, would that have stopped any of the three shootings of the last ten days? We need to take a serious look at questions. I don't like think that. it would have. Yep. And if it wouldn't have, then what's moving this right now? 
I'm trying to think of the histories of the various confused, disconnected, angry young murderers. Um, and I don't think any of them were convicted of anything. I mean, the guy with the rape list who was suspended from school. Right. That was years ago, though. Yep. Years ago. So would he uh, have a red flag warning or not? I just, so much of America reacts to these things emotionally. And if you can satisfy them emotionally, they're happy. All right, we'll pass a law saying no bad people can have guns. And people act like that's some sort of victory, but it's just dumb. Meanwhile, Joe Biden on CNN with Anderson Cooper was talking about a number of topics, including gun control. Biden pushing, banning some weapons. Does anybody think it made any sense that someone's able to walk into a gun store, buy an assault weapon that has multiple rounds, or buy an assault weapon that has a hundred rounds? This prompting Anderson Cooper to go ahead and ask Biden. So to to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. You know, I... I wanted to address that at some point. The, and I, I know a lot of you people are, are of good conscience and you want to do the right thing. The difficulty with that is you have the Second Amendment, right? You're familiar with that, so let's keep moving. You have to define what you mean by assault weapon. And you have to define it very specifically in the law. I think a large chunk of people would like the AR-15 made illegal. Now, I don't know if if you did that, if immediately there's another gun with different letters and numbers. It's the same thing. Yes. And then I, I got a, one reason I pay attention to this. You remember last year, uh, a buddy of mine, who, uh, I'll, I'll be very vague, but he, uh, he, he, he does this for a living. And he had me come to the range with him and shoot an AR-15. It's the first time I've ever fought one, and it's a pretty impressive piece of weaponry. And he is a uh, he's on the right political side of things by quite a bit mm-hmm. and super into guns and all this stuff. He doesn't believe average people should own those guns. Okay. That's his belief. But to get I, back I don't know to how my many people point, agree with that or not. You have to define what those things are. So who's going to define it, though? Because if you leave it up, if the, if the people who are fans of guns leave it up to the people writing the laws about it, they're gonna, not going to like the definition. So somebody needs to define it at some point. All right, all right. I need everybody to settle down. Let me finish my point, if I might. You have to define it technically because you have to define what is illegal, not scary-looking or capable of, you know, this, that, or the other. It's got to be much more specific to actually be effective. But then all manufacturers have to do is modify it in a way that's not covered by that law. And then that new modification is not illegal. It's, it's, it's a machine. You've outlawed a machine. If you, it's, it's actually, it's somewhat analogous to patent law. If you can design a machine that's just different enough to not fall within the patent, you get the patent on that one. It's the same challenge. Sean, I'm not arguing against the idea. I'm telling you the difficulty of it. Right, right. Moving along. Okay. On another note, the hermit kingdom is at it again. South Korean officials have confirmed their neighbor to the north, North Korea, has fired off a number of unidentified projectiles off its east coast. They were fired in two launches early this morning. And while the details about what was fired haven't been released, North Korea is speaking out and giving a reason for all these launches lately. They are upset about the military drills between the United States and South Korea. 
Now, are we sure little fathead isn't just taking up golf and he's hitting balls into the ocean or something like that? Unidentified projectiles. Do they say Titleist on them? Yes or no? I don't see anything about Titleist. Not right. yet. Anyway, the uh, North Koreans are saying the United States and South Korean authorities have finally started their joint military exercises despite our repeated warnings, end of quote. And lastly, we've got a basketball star's suspension making for some comic relief on Twitter after a drug test revealed he is pregnant. DJ Cooper. Ah. DJ Cooper submitted his girlfriend's urine as his own to try and pass a drug test, and that backfired when it came back showing she was pregnant. The 28-year-old... You can't be our starting point guard. You're pregnant. (laughs) Pretty sure I'm not. Well, it says here you are. (laughs) You have two choices. You're either a drug fiend or pregnant. Which do you choose? The 28-year-old former Ohio University standout was trying to join the Bosnian national basketball team as a naturalized player. God help us if one member of the Bosnian national basketball team was smoking marijuana in his off time. (laughs) What would that lead to? There you go. Anyway, the International Basketball Federation suspended him for fraud. He will be eligible to return in summer of next year. There's actually a very funny joke having to do with that that I learned as a teen, but I'm afraid it's untellable on the, the polite okay, airway. Do it on the podcast, maybe. Yeah, maybe I will. There you go. It's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I, uh, I've said this many times over the years, and it's true. I'm incapable of being angered in the gun conversation. I think I'm one of the few people in America that can't get angry on either side. I've been screamed at by uh, gun nuts and and people who think all guns should be illegal. You just can't make me mad about this issue. I don't no. know why. It just <laughs> you just can't make me mad about it. Um, well, and so many people are immediately angry. I, I'm I mean, angry. They about, cannot have a calm conversation. I'm angry about people dying and all that sort of stuff. But you start arguing about gun laws and which guns should be illegal. You can't make me mad about this. I, I don't. I don't know why. But I'm just. Um, but I I will say that the. We, we mention this every time. Those of you who are into guns and you immediately come after these conversations like angry lunatics, you're not helping. Right. Even if you're right. Even if you're completely right, you come off as an angry lunatic. You're not helping your situation. Picture solving a marital problem, coming off immediately enraged. Picture solving a problem at work, coming off as immediately enraged. How about if there's a problem with your airline reservation? Immediate rage. It's not productive. We're Second Amendment advocates. We're just trying to help. I own three guns. I have a fair amount of ammunition. I'm glad I have them, and I believe that I have the right to have them. But you start screaming at people if they get something wrong when they're talking about guns, and it it, it helps the other side. Now, like I heard Tom Brokaw the other day. Seems like a nice enough old South Dakotan. But he said, the fact that people can go into a store and buy automatic weapons. And I thought, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, but and I correct that whenever I come across it, but I'm not angry about it. No, but it it it, it hurts if the experts on the shows you bring in are oh. so far off track. Right? How are we ever going to get anywhere? But I don't get mad about it. I hear you. Anyway, I hear you. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. There's way too much rage, man. These are ragey times. Here it comes. Everybody's guns are going to be taken away. Good clip. I like that clip. There you go. Barack Obama, that was part of his State of the Union address. I think he said that every year at the State of the Union before Congress. Here it comes. Here it comes. Everybody's guns are going to be taken away. I I miss uh, the Obama administration where there was complete racial harmony and no mass shootings. Yes, we took that out of context. 
Um, and we use it for a humorous effect. Please don't become we're, enraged. We're not trying to fool anybody. We think we think you know that. Yes. Maybe we're wrong. I don't know. You have to do, there have to be so many disclaimers and apologizing with every statement you make on everything in the modern world. It's uh, it's tough to even talk. Yeah, I know. There are some days it gets me down. Well, you know what? That's funny. That relates to the thing I've teased now 17 times and haven't gotten to. The New York Times changing its headline. And the risk of listening too much. Not to our show. You should listen all the time. I want to hear that, and I've got this. This is going to, you're going to like this. Why customer service feels so lousy. The Wall Street Journal says companies know how angry they can make you and still keep your business. Wow. They figured it out. Wow. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, yeah, the new Ed Sheeran song with uh, Chris Stapleton and little Bruno Mars. It's a cool tune. Um, I like the, ah! the beginning of it. I, I can sing like that, but you know what? Nobody wants to hear it. I would love to have been. I really wish I could have watched the formation of this song because they just showed up in a studio together with no song written or anything. Right. Three, three, you know, really successful guys, I assume, with fairly big egos. Or at least certainly the knowledge that, hey, I'm cranking out hits left and right. I got more money than I can spend. Right. So I think it ought to be blue instead of true here. Right. <laughs> I don't know how they worked that whole thing out. Yeah. I would love to have watched that. Anyway, um, I want to get to this story later from the Wall Street Journal. So customer service is crappy. Companies, individual companies, figure out how much crap you're willing to put up with and will still buy their product. Or Airlines. <laughs> perfect. Sorry. Allergies. Perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect example. Uh, you know what? Let me just do what I was going to do real quick. Then let's get right back to that. Companies know how angry they can make you and still win your business. So we we're talking about the New York Times. I saw the headline in the WAPO, interestingly enough, saying New York Times forced to change its headline about Trump's speech. And I assumed, wow, they're so over the top at the New York Times. So unfair, blatantly. People said, listen, come on, you're too partisan. No, it was the other way. They were fair. And their uh, their, their, their readers, their clickers, whatever, uh, went berserk and demanded a harshly judgmental, unfair headline. And I thought, wow, I'll be damned. We're, we're that far down the road. And we've talked to Cheryl Atkinson about this, a uh, noted journalist who um, talks about the activist pushback you get on virtually every story you broadcast or you publish um, that I've been kind of unaware of. And, you know, it's funny. You clicked in my mind. It reminds me of um, of colleges right now. And I've talked to and corresponded with a number of academics. So trust me, this is absolutely true. Most, if not all, are terrified of their little snowflake students' reviews because every professor gets reviewed. And and listen, I'm not blaming the kids. We raised them. These entitled, self-important, fragile, picky little snowflakes can ruin your career if you demand anything of them, challenge them, tell them, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. And so now professors, teachers are cowering in fear of their students. Just like, just like the New York Times, too much input. I remember fairly early in our careers, um, it, it, we somehow got the information. It was true at the time. 
back you take calls, people write letters, whatever, and they have an outsized influence on a radio show. Well, they did a study of it. Only 4% of the audience, this was back in the day, ever contacts your radio station for any reason. It's higher now because of the ease of emailing and tweets and texts and stuff like that, but it's easy to get misled by the hardcore, angry, emotional activist part of the world. And sure. it's true in politics, too. Man, their influence is way outsized. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to, unless you've been doing this for as long as we have and having to deal with that question, a lot of people get misled. Yeah, we, we fight it all the time. We can get five texts, say that, you know, roughly the same opinion. That's only five people, and uh, you, d- you don't have any idea. I mean, you, you have to use your own judgment on how many people that represents. Right, right. <sighs> anyway, so, back to angry customers. It's from the Wall Street Journal. Everyone hates customer service. This is why. Technology has let companies see how badly they can treat you right up into the moment that you bolt. Wow. You hate to think that you're that predictable. <laughs> right. I'm that predictable, but uh, I am. I am. I am. They have an idea, yeah. In corporate parlance, it's called the break point. It's how far customers can be pushed before their heads explode. <laughs> From long waits at the airport to rude store clerks to ineffective helplines, shoddy customer service is a universal frustration. I've been talking about this for years. Customer service has just gone off a cliff in my lifetime. Sure. Today, companies crunch data and use artificial intelligence to determine exactly how angry a customer has to be to bolt. And many are walking right up to that line for the obvious reasons. It saves you money. Technologies can track how long a customer will wait for a human to answer the phone and how many ads they will tolerate. They can monitor the tone of a customer's voice. Oh, boy. Wow. Companies know what steps they must take to keep shoppers loyal and which they can skip. This knowledge has contributed to a decline in how customers are treated, say analysts, consultants, and former executives of these companies. Let's see. How badly can I treat her up to the moment she leaves me? Imagine, like, bad people being equipped with that knowledge. That's awful. That's a sad thought. I oh, made myself sad. Yeah, so if you're going to use this analogy, him, it's, obviously. it's unrealistic, but she has been in 5,000 relationships. I've got all the data. From uh, what was done, how I'm long sorry. she stuck around. Your her- newer girlfriend's a slut. <laughs> well, that's, why this, thousand that's why this analogy doesn't work. Except for the time. But so I got the information on her tone of voice. Right. You know, gifts you gave for, for Valentine's Day and right. Christmas. Right. All these different things. And I can figure out how far I can go before she'd actually dump me. God, the tone of voice thing. You know, if you're that's any good trouble. at this, you learn that. But... Uh, you know, she starts, your voice gets a little higher, a little louder. Uh, you're at a 3.5. She's at a 3.5. I mean, that's that's craziness. Oh, you know, listen, there are exceptions, and oh, I love them. I love them so much. And I don't want to, like, piss off any sponsors of the Armstrong and Getty Show and various uh, places from coast to coast and, and all ships at sea. But there's a hardware chain that virtually everywhere, every time I've gone to them, they've been wonderful. They helped me with a lock problem the other day. And I'm just telling you, if you're playing uh, Texas Hold'em, I knew what you and you say. have two of this hardware chain, right. it, you know, uh, you're in good shape. That's been my experience, too. Um, and they're 
probably making a mistake in that. No, 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 they're not. I will go there. I'm practically religious about it. If they're anywhere close, I'll go. Some of these other companies that, uh, you know, will help you with your home. Um, they've done the calculation that now we can we can go this far and people will still come because we they know we've got what they're looking for. They have everything where we are everywhere, et cetera. Et cetera. And their prices are, are very, very good. There's more data available on just how disgruntled someone can be. Um, getting a phone call. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Here's somebody who reached their breaking point at AT&T after six calls in a collective four hours on the phone with customer service over oh. the price of an unlimited phone plan. God help us. I've dealt with AT&T on various things. That doesn't sound like a, a, an anomaly really to me. <laughs> it's like they have a stranglehold on us. Yeah, AT&T's got to be one of them that has figured out people have iPhones. They love iPhones. It's a pain in the ass to switch your plan and all these sorts of different things. We can really push it. Right. That's been my experience. You can get them to a 4.7. Airlines is a good one. There's still only so many flights going to the town they want to go to and so many airlines, and we got the price. They're going to keep with us no matter what, no matter this many delays, et cetera, et cetera. Right. At least we're not to the point where they're, like, punching you on the in the face as you get on board or... The messages, coffee at you. the messages we got to actually stop using these companies we're unhappy with if we want to affect change. Probably so. I could be an activist on this, marching the streets. We're just marching out of stores. Armstrong and Getty.